We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening. And I know that he's been faithful to you because you're here this morning. So if you're here this morning and you're grateful, would you just bow your heads with me and just pray? Thank you, God, that we're here this morning. Thank you that you always show up for us. You always show up at just the right time. You're so good. You're so kind. I'm so grateful that you love us with the love of the Father. Good, good Father. Father, I just ask that you would come and fill this place uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Um, If you, this is your first time here, welcome, of course. Um, I want to just honor the fact that God has done so much in Hope Church in the past month. I just want to uh, if you would, just would you just give God a hand? Because honestly, I don't know how we would have gotten through all that we've been through as a church and as a people if it was not for God's faithfulness. Am I right? Am I right? And I want to I wanna take a moment, moment to honor guests. If you're here and this is a first time for you, um, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, and I want to also honor the men and women who come early every week and serve. So we have partners in the house. I want to give it up for our partners. So you can clap for yourself if you're a partner. These people make it happen every Sunday. And then allow me to introduce myself. My name is Pastor Emma Adams, and I am the lead pastor of Hope Church, and I'm part of the executive team with Alfie. Um, We uh, had this crazy idea a while ago, and you're going to hear a little bit more about that from me. So as we go into today's message, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a bad day? Anybody? How about a bad week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, how about a bad season or a year? Or how about, like, three years with COVID and all that's happened? And I've had bad weeks. I've been running late. One kid gets sick on a Monday, and then all the kids get it. And by the time they are all better, I'm the one sick or vice versa. I've had times where, where I've been so exhausted and everything is going wrong. Anybody amen lately? Yes. Yeah, in the house. Yep. And I've had seasons where my HVAC goes up and drains the savings. And I've also had some of the most challenging years of my life. And then I've had funky in-between seasons. Anybody know what that feels like? A funky in-between? Oh, I hate that. Funky in-between season. And I've also come through some of the most challenging years of my life. And it was in one of those funky in-between seasons when we felt called to plant Hope Church. So I have a heart for Seaford. I grew up here. I grew up on 331 Pine Street was my home address. I grew up and spent years here. They were not good years, but I was, was where I'm from. I'm from the streets. Um, And uh, we believe that God was calling us to redeem Seaford and Delmarva for his name. And so Um, We believe that a rising tide raises all boats. We believe that planting churches in a community just isn't about building a better church. It's about building the kingdom. And, And that's all I knew. Honestly, that's all I knew. I knew it was called. I knew it was supposed to build, but that's all I knew. And so we left our position at the church that we were at and started praying. And it was a horrible in between season for me. I remember not knowing where to go or what to do. 
and we began homeschooling our kids um, with the baby at home, and I lost my identity as a pastor. Um, We also went down to one income, and there were some serious spiritual battles as we looked for the right avenue to plant a church. And it was truly a dark season. But in the middle of it all, I could not hear God. Anybody feel that one? Couldn't hear him. Where are you, God? I thought you said to do this, God. What happened, God? Where'd you go? Right? And I felt like he was silent. Have you ever experienced this? Because I have. And you've had your version of a bad day, right? We've all had bad days. Have you ever had a bad week and a bad month and a bad season and a bad quarter and those bad years? And in the middle of the bad season, have you ever just looked at God and said, hey, do you even see me? Are you paying attention down here? Because I'm about ready to turn into an angry New Yorker. I want to know. Where have you been at? Right? Have you ever felt like that God was silent or late or absent during your bad season? I have. Let me ask you four questions to see if, where you're at. Question one, has God ever seemed silent to you? Man, maybe during a dry financial season or period or a wrecked relationship or an illness. Question number two, has it ever seemed like God took a really, really long time, like you're taking your time up there to answer your prayer? Have you ever felt like he was silent and slow? Like, okay, you're just going to be silent and slow. Number three, have you ever felt like God answers other people's prayers, but not yours? Like every house on the market sold, but yours. Like your sister can get pregnant, but you can't. Like like you're having the worst time in your life, and everybody else knows where they're going to college, but you're just trying to still figure out who the heck you are. Man, It's hard. Question number four. Has God's silence ever caused you to wonder, is there even a God? We can get so trapped in our cycles of hurt and shame that we begin to question what is at the core of who we are. We begin to have an existential crisis. Have you been there before? And maybe you've tried God at one point and concluded that maybe this God isn't for you or maybe that is why you're here today and you're trying to figure out what God is like. Today, I want us to answer two questions. What is God doing in the silence? And what do we do in the silence? This is important because if we can understand what God is doing in the silence, we can partner with him And it can lead us to a significant place. And it's a moment not only today, but throughout our lives. And here's the bottom line. I want you to remember this. If nothing else today, never confuse God's silence with God's absence. We'll say it again. Never, ever confuse God's silence with God's absence. In those seasons of silence, we are so tempted to think that God is absent or he's just not listening. Where did he go? And we begin to try and manipulate and control, I'm raising my hand, our lives as we make decisions thinking that God isn't with us 
And this can lead us to make decisions that would be some of our biggest regrets in our lives. And the Bible is absolutely full of stories of people in a season of silence who had concluded that God's silence meant he was absent. And then they went ahead and tried to take their lives out of God's hand and control them themselves. And it resulted in some of the biggest regrets they had. That's why I'm so thankful for the Bible. It's not full of perfect people. It's full of jacked up people just like me, right? So if you're in a silent season, I want you to know that you are on the cusp of understanding God in a very real way and experiencing his grace and his presence in ways you never knew before. When God is silent, he is never still. The Bible itself is an incredible example that when God is silent, he is never still. You see, we have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament, right? We read the Old Testament and it concludes with a book by the prophet Malachi. So that's the Old Testament. That's the left side of our book. But then we have the right side when we open it up and we have the New Testament. But check this, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, after the book of Malachi and the first book of Matthew, not there's not a second book, but just Matthew, um, there is a period of 400 years of silence that the Bible kind of doesn't cover. So Malachi finishes the fourth chapter of his book in the Old Testament and the curtain closes and God goes silent. So what happened? What happened in those 400 years? There's no word of God. There are no prophets sent by God. Where did they go? Where did he go? What is he doing where was God in these 400 years? I mean, did he finally get sick of us and our sin-infested selves and was like, yo, I'm out. These people are crazy. No, he already did that with Noah, remember? He promised he would never do that again. So, okay, where is he at? Did God just like slowly over time just get in a better mood about us? No, not likely because God never changes what was he doing? Why was there this silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament? It's a really important question because if we can figure out what God is doing in those 400 years, it's a clue about what God is doing in our season of silence. When we understand what God is doing and what we're supposed to do, it will lead us to a significant place in our lives. So what was God doing for those 400 years? Well, we don't know because there's no Bible, right? We have a couple of clues, but there's nothing conclusive. There, there, there's just nothing there. We do have recorded human history, so we can look at recorded human history. So let's do that, okay? Let's logically go to recorded human history. So what I'm going to share with you are three historical events that occur between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So whether or not you believe the Bible um, is true or not, we can agree that these three events occurred, and with that, we will be able to connect what is occurring in the Middle East to what God is doing right here at Hope Church. Are you ready? Hey, all right, there's one. So when we understand what he is doing during the period of silence, it might give us a clue to what he is up to in our seasons of silence. So if you are here and you are not a follower of Jesus, let me reiterate this. I want you to know that it's no coincidence that you're hearing this message. If you're listening through the podcast to my voice, there is no coincidence that this message is for you and you're hearing this today. You see, God is working like he always has been behind the scenes because when God is silent, he is never still. 
So when the Old Testament comes to a close and there is a shift in power from Babylon, Babylon to Persia around 360 BC, there is a leader that appears on the world stage and his name is Philip II of Macedon. Okay, you all learned about Philip II in your history classes. I'm sorry if you don't remember. That just means you're old like me, okay? And you have to do your own research, okay? <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> and it's important to note that Philip II of Macedon was a war king who conquered like the, uh, and then unified a portion of Greece with plans to continue and conquer Persia, which was a major, uh, a major uh, power at the time. So before he was able to do, uh, to lead his Macedonian troops to conquest, he was assassinated by his bodyguard. Let's be careful who we have close with us, right? Yes, that's a good word. So however, Philip of Macedon did have a son, and you might know his name. You might be better acquainted with his name. His name was Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. Sound familiar? It's coming back to you? I know. I know. The brain waves. All right, so when he appeared on the world stage, historians would say that the world has never seen a leader like Alexander the Great. That's why he's the Great, right? And so they say he was the best military strategist, and, and they believe that to this day there hasn't been a strategist like Alexander the Great. Um, and you may recall from history class, he's quoted as saying, I am so depressed because there are no more worlds to conquer. Mm. And you're mad that God won't give you what you've been asking for? Because his depression turned into alcoholism, and he died at 33 from what we believe is alcoholism. Before he died, he made a world-changing decree that everyone in the known world must do one thing. Speak Koine Greek. Interesting, right? Interesting. And you could hear that today and think, so what? What's the big deal with Alexander the Great and Koine Greek? And what, what's, the, what's the big deal? The big deal is that if you've ever heard the name of Jesus, if you've ever picked up a Bible and you've read the New Testament at home, if you've ever bopped into the YouVersion Bible app and read the Bible, you can thank Alexander the Great before he died. Wow, because he said, all must speak Koine Greek. What does that mean? That means that maybe, just maybe, the Bible is true. Oh my gosh, it's true. And God uses and leverages kings and leaders for his good purposes and not their own. See, the whole time that God was silent, he was working behind the scenes all up in history because it was his story anyway. But that's a Carlism and I won't go there. So years after Alexander the Great, another empire rose. Anybody want to guess on that one? Rome. The Roman Empire rose, and the Roman Empire does a ton of interesting things, but we are going to focus on a few of them today. They decreed something called Pax Romana. You might have studied this in high school, uh, might have had a refresher in college perhaps, which is Latin for Roman peace. And so this declaration is important because it brought military peace throughout the Roman Empire, allowing people to travel without fear of the warring factions. So the Roman Empire also created an upgraded road system and travel was further and faster than ever before. And then dawns the age of the New Testament. And we have three very important things that have happened. We've had the common language of Koine Greek, we've had Roman peace, and we've had an upgraded transportation system. So 
All of this is very important. I hope you see where I'm going with this, because if you've heard about Jesus in the New Testament, you can trace it all back to the Roman Empire. So a few years ago, um, my son, Kian, got an amazing Christmas gift, and it allowed him to create stop-motion animation using his phone and Minecraft figurines and settings and backdrops. It was a pretty cool toy. And he would set a stage, and then he would rearrange the characters and take the picture and then rearrange and take the picture. And it was all to shoot these scenes, like clay stop animation. We're a big fan of like Nightmare Before Christmas in our house and um, Box Trolls, if you don't know that one. That one's also a good movie. Um, so we love that. And when he finally showed us the film that he made, I was blown away because it was so cool. But in our lives, we never see all the work that's happening behind the scenes. Sometimes we just get to see the final video. Sometimes the final video is just up to God seeing. So this is what God was doing during those 400 years of silence. He was setting the stage for the next scene. And we celebrate the culmination of God's behind-the-scenes work every single spring. That's why Easter is such a big deal. Easter Sunday is when we declare that Jesus is risen and his resurrection, his power is here and now, and all because God worked behind the scenes when Jesus Christ was born. You see, God entered the world as a baby, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life, then died on the cross for our sins, then he rose and sent his Holy Spirit, founding his church. Then the church grew with explosive growth. Thousands upon thousands were being baptized, just like the 16 people we baptized four weeks ago, and the church spread quickly across the world. How did that happen? It was because there was a common language and Roman peace and an upgraded transportation system. The New Testament is written in the common language of Koine Greek. The Roman peace allowed early men and women to faith to safely go throughout the land and spread the message. Then those people in the early church traveled faster and further before and then previously thought possible and they took copies of the good news written in the common language about Jesus with them everywhere they went. So what happened in those 400 years? God was silent, but he was never still. He was working to set the perfect stage so that you sitting here today, right now, or driving in your car, or at work listening, or wherever you're at, so you could hear the good news that Jesus died and rose again for you. Do you know why the symbol of our church is a circle with an H in the middle? Because the cross did finish something, but the open tomb started something. It started hope. And that's why we have hope. And that's why we're called hope. And that's why our logo looks like that. Why? Because we want to easily be recognized as a place where hope lives. So when you wear a hope shirt, when you put on a hope hat, when you do what you're doing, when you give, you're giving so we can bring hope here and now, right now. Woo, I'm about to preach up in here. So today, if you're here in that season of silence wondering what God is doing, you have just learned that God is setting the stage of your life so that at just the right time, the curtain will rise on your life to accomplish God's will. I can't tell you when. I wish I could, y'all. And I can't tell you how. I don't even think I could explain how God works. But we serve a God that is for us, and he is with us. 
Even when it seems like he's silent, he is active. Remember, when God is silent, he is never, ever still. So now what do we do when we find ourselves in a season of silence? When it comes to all this church growth and all this God working behind the scenes, and you don't have to take my word for it, okay? You see, we have an eyewitness account. A man named Paul wrote that God was, what God was up to in those 400 years. And in Galatians 4, 4 through 5, Paul writes this. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to preach for just a minute about sonship. Sonship is not reserved for males only. Paul says we have the adoption of sonship. That means in Christ we are equal. Men and women. Different, yes, but equal. So don't tell me I can't. Ladies, don't let anybody tell you you can't. Men, don't let anybody tell you you can't. Because my God said, yes, you can. Seriously. The reason you hear about his grace that he worked all this together for your good and his purposes to know him and to be in a relationship with him. But it leaves us with what do we do when God is silent and you feel like he's absent. This would be the part where if you're a note taker, you could have your world change. Because when God is silent and you can't and you feel his absence, this is what you need to do. Write this down. Trust his presence. So how do you do this exactly? One of my favorite communicators, Andy Stanley, has a great answer to this. Like most super smart people, he phrases it as a question. He says, what would a person like you do if they were confident that God was with them? Figure that out and go do it tomorrow. What would a person like you do if you had the confidence that God was with you Go do it tomorrow. Go do it tomorrow and you will have your world rocked. So if you're in a season of silence, what would a person like you do if you were confident that God's with them? Figure it out and do it tomorrow and then do it the day after that and then do it the day after that and you just keep putting one foot in front of another. You just keep plodding along, knowing at that and coupling it with God is what God is doing behind the scenes. We have something seriously powerful. We have his presence. We have his presence. Mm. Do you know why you and I don't know what God is up to behind the scenes? Because we would jack that thing so far up. It wouldn't even be right. God knows that about you, and he knows that about me. And so he moves behind the scenes and asks us simply to trust his presence. And that is what we have the opportunity to do here today. Because when God seems silent and you can't feel his presence, you have to trust that he's just there. Trust his presence. I want you to know that I've been through a season of silence our family is in a season of silence now, and we want an answer to why we lost Jared. And we might be tempted to think that God's silence means that he doesn't love us. But what could be further from the truth? You may be wondering, what now? 
where is God in this painful, dark time in Hope Church and in your life or in your particular circumstance? Here's what I know. When God is silent and all hell seems to be breaking loose in our life, God is working behind the scenes for your good and his glory. And I know this because there was a time when we miscarried a baby at 12 weeks and it was singularly the most painful thing emotionally, physically, and spiritually that I have ever been through in my life. And Alfie was right there with me. And I didn't understand God's silence and it felt like he was absent. But one day our pastor shared a message similar to this and he said, never put a period where God has placed a comma. And that day I decided to trust his presence and I prayed like somebody who knew God was with them and then I repeated that the next day and the day after. And 11 months after that Sunday, we gave birth to a beautiful, healthy baby boy. His name is Oliver. And he's over there wrecking kids' church right now. Right? So I want you to know that he's up to something even now in this silence, in this absence. He's not late for you. He's just setting the stage. He's just setting the stage. So the time has come. He's up to something. He brought you in this place to tell you that though you might think he is uh, not with you, you might think he is silent, you might think he's late, or you might think he's even an absentee father. I'm here to tell you that he's not. He's just setting the stage. He's just setting the stage. So would you... Right now, would you just close your eyes and focus on the Father for a minute? Take your mind off of the distractions that are around you. Your phone can wait. Facebook can wait. You don't need Insta. You see, God is arranging the pieces of the background of your life so when the time is right, you will come out in this season and step into his perfect will for your good and his glory. And if this is your story today and I'm talking to you, I would like to take a moment to pray over you. If this is your story, I'm going to pray with you. Would you pray with me? Father, today we need you. We're going to say yes or we're going to say that we're coming back to you, God. And we need the power of your presence and the Holy Spirit to confirm in our hearts that we are being heard. Would you help us to know that we are not without a father who loves us. You will never leave us and you will never forget about us. There is no weapon that was formed that will prosper against us because we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. In you, Christ. The power of the resurrection is the hope of tomorrow and we ask that you would give us that hope today. Would you help us, God? Would you lead us by your Holy Spirit's power and for his great purposes? In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.